What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the show. This is Real Reality Realness with Brian K. James, the podcast where I, your host, Brian, interview figures in music, reality TV, and pop culture about their lives, their perspectives, and their platforms. Join me five days a week as I get to know some of my favorite people through their points of view and their journeys to their personal greatness. Lock in while I clock in, because we are about to get into it. What's going on, everybody? Welcome and welcome back. This is Real Reality Realness. I am Brian K. James, and I apologize for the delay. Listen, we're going to get it right. We're going to get it in pocket, and I am going to be more consistent. I promise. I've had some technical difficulties. I've had some emotional difficulties, but I've gotten a stern kick in the ass, and I've gotten my software together. So we are here, and we are going to have our ish correct. I thank you guys so much for being here. I thank you for all the love on the last few episodes that I've uploaded. I appreciate all of you guys for all the love. I am so excited to get back in the studio and get back to this show. I am still struggling with my imposter syndrome and because I'm going through some things personally right now and I'm still trying to, you know, get my balance from this whole starting my life over journey that I'm on. I'm still trying to like get my balance and, you know, get my, get myself solid and on solid ground with that. But it's led me to have a little bit of imposter syndrome and kind of feel like, what do I have to contribute to my show or, or, you know, to the people listening if I don't, um, have my own shit together in my own life, you know what I mean? But, you know, that's where having good people in your life really, come in and having a strong support system matters the most. And I think that that is why I'm so excited to bring you guys this interview that is coming today with the fashion designer, Rick Lamar. When you listen to the interview, you're going to hear a story of such a strong support system, such a strong um, environment and village around someone to cultivate and nurture them to be their greatest self and it was really inspiring for me because I'm getting into a space in my life where I'm starting to have remnants of that now and I'm also learning how to be that for myself and you know it was just a beautiful and inspiring conversation that I was really pleasantly surprised by not in any type of way where I thought it was going to be like a superficial conversation about fashion or anything like that but I really was inspired by the amount of support that somebody has to just be themselves and just be great and just let themselves live and do what they need to do and where they were able to take and curate that it's a beautiful conversation and i hope you guys really enjoy it make sure you guys follow rick lamar on all the things of the things but first and foremost the instagram yeah i'm that person that says the instagram now but 
some episodes that are coming. We're going to figure out the order. I'm going to try to keep it to the order that I guys that I gave you guys in the other episode, but I have a I have a chaos and charcuterie um that I need to record and I also have an advice night that I need to record. I forgot the names that I gave them in the in the in the other episode, but it's written down in my notes. I'll say them right when it's time for the other episode, but that's pretty much all that I need to catch you guys up on right now. I want to go ahead and switch you guys over to the interview. So without further ado, tune in to my interview with the fashion designer, Rick Lamar. Stay tuned. BRB. Alrighty, settle in and settle down. This is Real Reality Realness. I am Brian K. James, and I want to thank you all for joining this conversation. I am so excited to introduce you all to my guests today. They're a fashion designer with incredible vision and even better execution, and I am honored to share their story with you all. Ladies, gentlemen, and every gender or lack thereof in between, join me in welcoming to the show, Rick Lamar. Thank you so much. First of all, I love the fact you said, um, or lack thereof. <laughs> I love it. I love you like, I'm like, you said, let me exclude everybody. <laughs> yes, because I, 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 I would probably be counted in the lack thereof. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. <laughs> How you doing? I am doing amazing. Just had an amazing event last night with my fashion liaison, Miss Patricia Always a Lady. And now I'm back in, in, the, in the dungeon. It really isn't a dungeon. I don't know why I said that. That sounds so sad. <laughs> My work sounds great, just depending on what you're into. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I ain't candy, you know. <laughs> well, I might be at the dungeon party coming in October, so you might catch me out out there in Mama Joyce's streets. And I'm gonna say what? There he said he was gonna be there. There they go. But now, are your, <laughs> what are your pronouns? Because I don't want to misgender or you know offend anybody i don't subscribe to pronouns hence the lack thereof so i kind of mm-hmm. let people just just um pronoun me as they register me so if so if you're in conversation with me and you register me as he call me he if you register mm-hmm. me as she call me she and then when in doubt pick c and call me that gotcha okay i'm, I'm down I, I hear you yeah <laughs> but to get into you a little bit when did you fall in love with fashion? Um, it's crazy because I, for the longest time, I thought I didn't even like fashion um, until I, mm-hmm. I actually was in a relationship with someone who was very passionate about what they did. And it made me fall back in love to it. So the original love had to be when I was probably six or seven, but I didn't know that's what it was. I was just, I just like drawing little stuff and playing dress up. So I didn't know it was a fashion thing. And then eventually I got fired from my job, needed something to do. And I was like, oh, I think I could sew. Then I started something. Very nice. So who would you say would be your first fashion icon? Like if you could consider who would be the person who was like, oh, this is when you started 
to design for the first time, who was the person that you were thinking about dressing? You know what? Nobody. Mm. Not one person. Uh, when I first started sewing, there was never any celebrities. I'm like, oh, I want to dress that person. I had people that I loved them. Like, I have my fashion icons. Uh, and it's, people going to judge me. Brown from Medea. Love that. Uh, Dorothy Bornack from Golden Girls. Genius. Dresser. <laughs> Icon. Yeah, and uh, Cruella DeVille. Everything. I Those love it. That is everything. I used to watch Medea plays and make stuff, you know, just enjoying it. And I would just, uh, well, the Tyler Perry plays, and I would just be sitting there making stuff because I thought Brown, even though, you know, they tried to make him like a clown, his stuff, it was just the fact that it was it was too tight most of the time. But the mm-hmm. colors, the patterns, the mixing of patterns, I love that. Love that. I love the eclectic style too. And like I was like, if Brown ever got out of makeover, Brown would show out on y'all. Just Absolutely. Get him in the right hands and the right amount of lotion. He will turn it out. He's in the right amount. Dip him in coconut oil. Very bad. We're we're classy around here. Uh, just a little bit. <laughs> when did you create your first piece? Oh my gosh, the first piece I ever created, I think I was, I, I think it was six, seven, eight, somewhere around there. I was, we used to live in the Philippines. My dad is in the military, or was. Uh, he retired. And I, my sister always had these dope Easter dresses. All of our clothes when we lived in the Philippines were made. We didn't go to the store to buy clothes. Everything that we wore was made. If my mom had some curtains and she said, okay, enough of those curtains, let's get rid of them. Okay, we'll make the boys some pajamas out of it or something. So I started seeing, you know, different stuff and how it was created. So my sister had Easter dresses and I would cut them up and put them on the stuffed animals. And my parents, they were sort of upset, but they kind of got over it. They kind of felt like, we're never going to wear it again, so who cares? (laughs) I love that. Now, when you decided to make the fashion your ass, your aspiration as far as like what you wanted to do with your life were your family supportive or encouraging of that or were you having to be your own own cheerleader in that side of it they were beyond uh supportive absolutely my my um my mom my dad they were crazy supportive i remember at one point i was working at a at a um a prominent uh insurance company and i got fired and i was like well what am i gonna do so i was like let me start sewing so to ease the pressure off of me, my parents allowed me to move into their house because I was living uh, in another city. They allowed me to move into their house just to focus on perfecting what I do. Wow. And that was in two months after I got fired, I put on my first fashion show. Wow. Yep. And they just always had my back. And my sister, she pushed me. She would, she would always say, uh, even right before I got fired, she was like, make me something to wear. And I'm like, what? So like, yeah, just make me something to wear. I'm like, I don't know how to, well, how do you do that? I didn't know how to do it. I had, they call this stuff stitch witchery that you hem stuff with. I made her outfit using that because I didn't know how to use the sewing machine. I didn't know how to use elastic. So when I draw string in the, in the waist, but when she wore it, everybody loved her outfit. So she was just like, you have a, a natural ability to create stuff. 
And I was like, oh, there we go. And that wasn't even, it wasn't even my passion. My passion was always cooking, singing, and songwriting. But that didn't pay. <laughs> the fashion, <laughs> and here we are. That is everything. So when you decided to, well, when you got fired from the insurance company and decided to take that and just go into fashion, you said you put on your first fashion show in two months. Mm-hmm. What were what were the ideas that were bubbling in that first collection? And how how did you pull that together in two months? Because I've studied, well, window studied fashion for a really long time. And I know that that's, that's a hell of a feat. Well, my thing was always, um, I so pretty quickly. I remember mm-hmm. some people that I used to sew with would actually get upset because I'm like, well, why am I making things overly complicated? Like, I, I even was trained myself after I started doing fashion shows. I'm like, how can I perfect my skill where I can make something in two hours or less? So when I was doing mm-hmm. this show, I was just experimenting. It was called The War, The Peace, The Now. And it just, uh, it represented what I was going through at the time. I always had this battle going on from sexuality to religion to finance. Like I could never figure out where I fit in. And then it hit me, I don't fit in. Like there's no, um, there's no seat at the table for me. I needed to build my own. There was just, there was what I was doing. It wasn't really happening. So my first show that I did, it was camouflage, red, and white. Nice. And I used to be addicted to camouflage. It was the most, it was the ugliest collection you would ever see in your life. <laughs> I was extremely tacky and didn't care. Um, I, I don't even remember who did makeup. No, I think um, there's a young lady, uh, Monica Johnson, she's fab. She did the makeup for me and she provided accessories. But no one ever discouraged me. They always wanted me to just find my voice. No matter how ugly or tacky what I was doing was, didn't matter. They just wanted me to find my voice and experiment and try new things. Some of the stuff that I made then, which was in 2008, well, yeah, it was 2008. Some of the stuff I made then, I even make now. I just know how to make it better. And I realized what fabrics work with what and, you know, how to actually make things that that could be tacky. Because right now I feel like tacky's in where they're just doing a whole bunch of upcycling. But I had to realize how is this going to be sellable? I need to find my my niche. Where what client is going to want this stuff? And once I found that out, everything kind of just ballooned, and I, I I just kept going. That is so awesome. It sounds like you have consistently had the strongest of support systems whether it be your own family or just the people in your community being behind you to push you how does that level of support impact your ambition today it's scary it's extremely scary because so many people believe in everything that i do even when i'm like this is horrible I remember I tried doing makeup and someone was like, oh my gosh, this looks great for your first time. I always, I have to be hard on myself because most people always look at the effort I put into it or they just think I'm going to be good at everything. So even if it's bad, they they find the good in it. 
So I had to start just being hard on myself and pushing myself because everyone is so supportive. I'm 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 Lynn from uh, girlfriends that could go to college for my entire life, and they're like, oh yeah, do it. We I've just always been that person because I don't know if it's just my personality or what, but I've always been the person where if I have an idea, everyone gets behind me and want to push me to do it. I absolutely love that. Now, how do you find refinement in that level of blind encouragement? I had to do it to myself. I had to be the one to critique myself. I had to be the one to look for um, outside influences or how to make it better or I would teach people how to do what I did. Now you know how I do what I do. Let me find another way to do what I do. I had to just make sure that I was constantly learning and pushing myself. I couldn't look to the left or to the right. I don't look up to a lot of the um, designers on TV. Like I don't, I don't care less about the, the designers that are in Fashion Week and all that. I just really had to just dig in and say, what do I see? And a lot of what I do comes from music. So I would listen to music and create based off of what I hear instead of looking around and just creating off of what I see. That's why a lot of these designers look the same because they're just copying each other. Now, if you're going to pay me, I'm going to make it. I'll make whatever you like if you're just paying me for it. But if you want me to do a show, it's going to be the music is going to match the clothes. The clo Everything is important to me to build the thing up. And people usually get it. But if I didn't put that on myself to create, I could just sew some t-shirts with anything on it and they would just love it. So I just had to really push myself to be better. Right. So at this point in your career, you've been doing this for a while. I think you said you created your first piece in what, 2008? Yeah, that was my first collection. So I've been doing it for 15 years. At this point, what would you say is the Rick Lamar look? You know what? I always tell people, I make church clothes. Work. <laughs> I was like, I make church clothes. I remember I even dated somebody one time, and they showed me this video of these Korean girls. Um, they were K-pop. And when he showed me, I was like, okay, he said, you would love the clothes. And I looked at it, I said, okay. He said, don't you love them? I said, they're church clothes. I said, I, yeah, I said, this is church clothes. He's like, no, it's not. It's very feminine and it's girly. And, it's, and I guess he thought he knew more than me. So I just let him you know, go on and be smart. And after we, he watched the video, I went on to a Facebook page, a Kojic convention Facebook page. And I showed him the page. I said, everything they're wearing, you can see right at church. And that's why I'm like, I make church clothes. I make, I love making ultra feminine clothes. I want a woman to feel like a woman or a bird to feel like a bird, whatever you want to classify yourself at. But I love femininity. Even in the men's clothes I make, they have a touch of some femininity in there, but they're still masculine at the same time. I just believe in uh, a celebrating a waist. And if you don't have a waist, I'm going to give you one. Work. So my, my look, I, I make church clothes and I don't mind it. <laughs> I absolutely love that. Now, going back to what you mentioned about if, if they'll pay you to make it, you'll make it. That reminds me of what I saw on your Instagram page. You created Beyonce's ball main dress, which was absolutely yeah. stunning. Absolutely well, that, that stunning. That client hit me up and she was going to buy it from them, but they didn't go up to her mm -hmm. size. 
I want this dress. I said, well, if you're willing to pay me the same thing you would have paid for the dress, then I'll make the dress. And I made the dress. And that was it, because I loved the dress. I thought it was amazing. So I'm like, yeah, I don't mind. Certain things, if it's a designer I know, if it's a local designer that I know, I'm not making someone's design that isn't up the street or one of my friends. I'm not making their stuff. Go to them. But the other stuff, yeah, okay, I'll make it. Why not? So when you're working with clients and they're coming to you for design, how encouraging are you of doing dupes that they may bring you versus them creating something with you that's completely original? It depends on the client. Most of my clients tell me to make whatever I want. They give me a color. They say, hey, um, I'm going to a concert. Uh, and I want to wear silver and they'll tell me which concert, boom, I just make it. Or if it's church, they'll say, hey, I have a church anniversary coming up. The colors are gold, black, and green. Most of the time, they just say, make whatever I want and they just give me a color. Every now and then, though, I will get some clients that are new, that have never worked with me before, and they'll come in with a vision of something that they want. And I'll either say, okay, if there's a picture of it, it means it's already been made. Go buy it. Mm-hmm. But if it's something that you can't get anymore, I'm like, okay, I'll make it for you. Like, why not? But the majority of the time, my clients just say, make whatever I want. They don't even care. I love that. Blind Allegiance. We love that yeah. for Rick Lamar. They, they really are. They'll, they'll say, oh, I got to wear black. Like um, this this weekend, there's a, um, a, 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 what is it called? I don't even know what it's called, but there's an event. They have to wear black. I've been hit up and I made about four dresses for it. They didn't care what they wore. They just like, I need some black. Or they'll say high church or something like that. But they really just trust that I'm going to make them something that's different, but still represents who they are. Perfect. Do you plan on curating more more collections in the future? Or are you enjoying more so being decouturier? I do a little bit of both, depending on how I feel. Um, like I just did Atlantic City Fashion Week, and that collection was called The Makings of You. And I, when I, I did that when I had a specific vision in my head of what I wanted it to look like. And I, I love using um, women of color, so they know, give me all the black girls, I'll, every shade, but I want them. And um, then I'll come back here, and I'm, the next thing I'm going to do is called Grey's Anatomy. I don't know mm. exactly what it's going to be, but it's all going to be gray, and it's going to be like sweatshirt fabric. Nice. Which is the gray part, and then the anatomy part, I'm showing different parts of the body. Because, you know, you normally gray sweat season and all that. I'm like, yo, let me just call it gray's anatomy. You may, I may have That's one thing that makes you off somebody's chest, one makes you off somebody's stomach, arms, leg, but whatever. But... I'm building things like that. So I do both of them at the same time, but I have to be inspired in order to do something. Okay. Or, or so nice. So I know that you really don't pay attention to the other fashion houses out there in the ecosphere, but if you had the opportunity to step into a design role of an established fashion house and like implement your eye in the way that Virgin Abloh did for Louis Vuitton or Karl Lagerfeld did for numerous brands. Which house would you want to work with and like re- revitalize their image? I don't, um, revitalize. 
I mean, they're almost or they're dead Reimagined. Now. Yeah, but there's certain designers out there that I, and it's crazy because I don't really look at them because I feel like they're busy. They're so busy looking at us. Mm-hmm. So it's like, True. if you look at these design houses long enough, they'll start changing their stuff. Because um, remember, there's so many people on the design team, and they're looking at Instagram, they're looking at street fashion. I'm like, they end up taking what we look like and then charging us crazy amounts of money for it. All the way from what they did at Dapper Dan and uh, was a Misa Hilton, uh, Hilton. They they like they they saw what we want to wear, and we don't mind getting somebody to create it or whatever. Now y'all are just hiring them on and bootlegging their ideas. Back in the day, you wouldn't find no shirt that had Balenciaga written all over it. I feel like a lot of the fashion houses have gotten so urban that some of the elegance is gone. Mm-hmm. But I say if there was anybody, but they're dead now. I, I would love to bring Alexander McQueen back to life. Mm. And I wouldn't want to take over it. I would want to work with because I thought his mind was the most creative out here. And he didn't look like anybody else. Like you knew that you McQueen's shoulders and all that. He had a distinct look. And when you saw it, you knew it was a McQueen. The other, the new girl over it now is like, uh, okay, that's, that's a that's a shirt. But I would love to go back and actually just work with him, not even take over, work with him, even get to know how he thinks and what he was thinking when he made when he when he makes or designs it. That is beautiful. That is beautiful. So, in the mindset of a McQueen or a Chanel with the boxy designs of mm-hmm. the day or Dior with the new look. How will Rick Lamar change or influence the greater fashion industry? I believe that we would be like the um how Dior when he came back with the look and it was it was ultra feminine, it was classy and pretty and elegant. That is what I want to bring back to fashion bring that elegance back where it really is you're you're wearing a beautiful gown where Halston back in the day where it was simple but it was a lot of that doesn't exist yeah I I love it give me a good old caftan and we're good like give me a beautiful print but um now there is too many uh what do you call it gimmicks Mm -hmm. so I would love to bring back that elegance whimsy Yes, absolutely. So, where would you like the Rick Lamar brand, the Rick Lamar Fashion House to ultimately take you? Like, if you had, like, a long-term goal that you're looking to reach, where do you see this this house taking you? Well, you know what? It's crazy when it comes to where Rick Lamar... Because this is not the end all to be all. I would love to end up opening uh, a sewing school. Because there's a lot of people out here that want to do, um, they want to construct, they have great ideas, but they don't know how to sew. I would love that because in a lot of design schools, they teach you marketing and design, but they don't teach you how to construct. Right. So my end goal, like when I'm 60, to be an actual teacher with classes and show people how to put, do an inset sleeve, how to ruffle, like just showing them different techniques 
so that they can actually even start their own brand or their own little stuff. Sometimes you don't even want a brand. You just want to do little stuff for yourself. I want to be able to be able to do that. That is incredible. Yeah, exactly. And that was not what I would have expected you to say, but that is incredible. <laughs> Most people think I'm going to say, oh, I, I want to dress with celebrities. I don't really care about working with celebrities. I really believe in, you know, pouring back into the community and building mm-hmm. from there. Like, what's next for our community? I would love to even own, like, some type of industrial park where people who may not be able to afford uh, a location, they can come in and they still have a private spot, but not one of these creative workspaces where I got to look at other people. I want a spot that's my own little, How you know how they have, like, these little tiny houses? Mine if it was tiny offices. Mm-hmm. You can go rent a tiny office. That's very cool. Thank you. What's your favorite fabric to create with? Taffeta. Mm-hmm. Taffeta. Tell me why. I, 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 love, I love stretch taffeta, nylon taffeta, silk taffeta, any taffeta. It gives so much body and shape. And it, I just, I love it. I absolutely love it. I tell people, I'm like, don't nah, don't go shoving it into a bag and throw it under the bed. Let that sucker sit out and, you know, let it live. Because it irons amazingly, but it takes shape amazingly. It's the best way to have a dramatic piece. And the fabric isn't even that expensive. But you can be dramatic and over the top, trains out the door galore with just half of them. I absolutely live. How else, how, in what directions would you say you wanted to expand expand your design premise in the near future? Like, 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 would you want to create jewelry, shoes, hats to go along with the clothes? Like, 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 will we be doing a full lifestyle, a full head to toe Rick Lamar look at some point? No. I've done like stuff where if people wanted a whole look where I've done, you know, a hat, I've, you know, um, customized shoes and whatnot. But what I would really love to do, and I had started it at one point and then stopped, is actually furniture. Mm. Like I used to love love that stuff. When I, um, the place I had before I live now, I built the bed, I built the couch, I, I built the stuff. And I, loved every minute of that and I had a shop in in Hampton at one point where I would upcycle furniture and put it in the shop and you know people would just come in and purchase it like I was on flea market flip I don't know if you've ever heard of that show mm-hmm. but I would just do that get a bookshelf and I'd have made it into a little wardrobe or you know just or make it into a bar I love stuff like that so furniture would definitely be it for me so Rick Lamar furniture is coming 2024. Is what you're saying. It's like, why not? I love that. Because I, I, you know, no shade to the designers that are out now doing furniture, but I'm, but, but everything looks like it's coming from Ikea and I'm over it. And oh I miss very like carved custom pieces. Nobody does armoires anymore. Like, vanities aren't a thing anymore like nobody does real furniture (laughs) so i am excited for this yes 
I know, yeah. I'm nobody not- does the benches that are at the ends of beds anymore. Like, nobody does chests. Yeah. <laughs> That's very exciting. I know, you know, Aiden, um, Sex in the City? Uh-huh. That, I like, he was out there carving it. That's what I want to get back into doing, like, the hands-on. Uh, give me, I got, people have no idea. Like, I got tools, I got saws, I got all that stuff. Um, but you know, I had to go with what made money because right. at the end of the day, I'm like, I gotta live. <laughs> I love that. So, you out here doing the fashion by day, and you out here building furniture by night, giving very Angela Bassett and how Stella got her groove back, getting the coins during the day, and building the furniture at night. We love to see it. We got to do what we got to do. One of my friends, he would always say, You gotta, oh, what do you say? You got do what you have to so that you can do what you want to. Very true. Very true. And that's the hardest thing sometimes. But it seems like you love what you do regardless. So it works out. Yeah, I had to make myself fall back in love with it. Because you know how people make it into a job. And then you're like, uh, oh, I don't feel like doing it today. But I had to, to balance it where, okay, I have my clients. And now that my clients, you know, they really are like, just make whatever you want that I can. But I do like little shows and stuff because that's what I really enjoy. I enjoy creating and, and coming up with the whole concept, like being a creative director. I just happen to know how to make the clothes too. Absolutely. I absolutely love this for you. I am so inspired by the amount of freedom that you seem to have within your work. Like, that is very inspiring for me. I think it really comes from my upbringing. With my, I'm the youngest child, and I think by the time they got to me, they're like, you know what, just let him do whatever he wants. Just do it. He'll be fine. Just let his ass go. <laughs> <laughs> and here you are doing just fine. Whatever I want to do, they're like, hey, just let them do it. And look at you doing just fine, thriving and vibing. Absolutely. We love to see it. <laughs> Is there anything that you would like to share with me and or my audience that I didn't get a chance to cover during our conversation today? You know, the, I think the, it, it's, it's just advice for other people. Um, it's not even, even just pertaining to me. But College and going to school isn't for everyone, but training is. Perfecting what you do is important. What if that's the craft or the where you want to go into? Study it. A lot of people just want to jump in, but they're scared to do the work. No, get into what you're doing, and it, once you're there, it's never stop learning. Keep perfecting what you do all the time. I agree 10,000%. I absolutely love that. My last question for you is where can we find you and get into the Rick Lamar look? Where can people order custom pieces? Do you, is it just local? Do you ship worldwide? Where can we get the She by Sheree fashion thing? Oh, Lord, you, She by Sheree, her stuff don't even work. Oh, um, if you want to buy I will iron something onto a t-shirt and give it to you. <laughs> <laughs> we will gladly send you the Shane link. <laughs> Don't you know? 
Um, but everything was in Rick Lamar. Everything was under Rick Lamar. R I C L A M A R. Um, no matter where you go, Instagram, Facebook, the website, everything is under that. I tell people if they want to see the majority of my work, I post everything on Instagram. It's the easiest way to see all my work at once. Rick Lamar furniture soon coming. Stay all tuned. Stay in these days, I'm not starting a new page to promote it. I'm going to put it right up there with the clothes. You may as well. Wow. I mean, it's just Rick Lamar. So, like, just thank you. Expand the Rick Lamar brand. We all Rick Lamar in here. I said, I'm not opening up another page saying, oh, this is Rick Lamar furniture over here. No, it's right on this page, too, baby. Uh-huh. <laughs> all of it's right here. Just do, just um, just um, do for those new save stories. One for fashion, one for furniture, and just keep it going. Oh, uh-huh, that's it. That is it. Absolutely. Well, on that note, that has been our show, folks. Ah, I have to let Rick Lamar get back to being great. There's fashions to create, furniture to design, people to dress, things to do. But I appreciate every single one of you guys for tuning in to inspire me to facilitate these conversations. And I wanted to extend an extra special thank you to my guest, Rick Lamar, for blessing the pod today. Thank you so much for being here. I love talking to you. Well, I thank you for having me. And I am going right back to listen to the rest of your podcast as soon as we get off. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Come back anytime. I am going to make sure that when I get my new house, I, you are going to do all the furniture for me, and then you're going to dress me for for the housewarming party. Stay I tuned. Do all that. I sure do, and will. Stay tuned. And come back anytime when, when you're doing a new show, when you launch the furniture. If you just want to come back and shoot the shit, let me know. Absolutely. I'm available. Thank you so much. And with that being said, I want to remind all of you guys out there to be real, stay in reality, and always, always bring the realness. I am Brian K. James. This has been Real Reality Realness. And until next time, peace. Bye, guys. What's going on, everybody? Brian K. James here, and I'm so excited to let you know that this podcast is being brought to you in part by Outlander Media Network. Outlander's mission is to bring you the most exclusive alternative content from across the web, from the farthest reaches invading your space. We appreciate every single one of you guys for tuning in and never want you to forget to embrace your inner Outlander. I am Brian K. James, and this is Real Reality Realness.